Welcome, everybody, to our Building with Brick podcast. It's Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. And today we've got just an outstanding guest, someone who personifies all three of those things. His name is Bob Sakerson, and I've known Bobby for quite some time. We were teammates in high school. He was the best player on our team our freshman, sophomore, and senior years. The only reason he wasn't his junior year is because we had a, an All-Ohio candidate that went to Dayton and uh, was a hell of a player at Dayton. So uh, I've asked Bobby to join us today. He's um, got a, quite a record as a coach, and I think he's got some real good things that he can share with us that uh, would help young coaches uh, and would also help people, you know, I think, in the business world kind of put that two and two together. Uh, Bob's a member of the Ohio High School uh, Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame. He had 518 wins in his career. Fantastic career. 71%, I think, was his winning percentage. He went to the Final Four six times. Uh, five of the times he lost, and we can talk a little bit about that and, and how that affects you, but those five losses were by eight points. And I mean, that could crush most people. But he came back and on his 518th win, it was in the state championship game. And I, you can't go out any better than that. And just this week is a high school or our high school, Lima Central Catholic High School in Lima, Ohio, named the court after him. And it was uh, well-deserved, well-deserved. So Bobby, welcome. And it's great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here, Joe. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Um, Bob, in, in, in the book I talk about, in my book, um, it's, I talk about the competitive edge and where I got that as a player. And then later on, well, it wasn't only in, in athletics, it's in everything. You know, once you get that competitive edge, you, you just keep going for it. But where did you get yours? Because you had it. I mean, you playing with you for those four years uh, you were a competitor extraordinaire well you know that's a good question i don't think everybody's ever asked me that question but and i'm not sure where i got it. i think it was natural i think i was probably born with it i was in a large family there were nine kids in my family my mother had nine kids in 11 years so it's an irish steps you know those one two three and so you can imagine the zoo in our house growing up. I was right in the middle. So I got a feeling that maybe some of that competitive edge was just simply in my birth order, you know, being in the middle, trying to find a, you know, space for yourself. My older brothers were not athletes. I was really the first one in my family to play athletics. But it was one of the things that really drew me to athletics was the competitive element. And it's probably the thing that I miss the most now is just that idea of competition. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I coached because of that, because that's as close as I could get to actually competing was standing on that sideline and watching other people compete, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure where it came from, but you're right. I had it and I had it, uh, and it and it drove me not only as an athlete, but it also drove me as a coach. That's, that's, that's interesting. You probably, part of it is probably who got the last pork chop. And, uh... <laughs> well, we had a big picnic table with benches you know we didn't have a typical 
And, you know, mom would put my mother, who was a very bright woman, she had a master's in, uh, in chemistry and, 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 and she was a bright woman. And then she met my dad had nine kids. So we put that food at the middle of the table and, and it was a scramble every night. <laughs> I can't imagine that. We only had four and that was bad enough, but two of them were little girls, so they didn't eat much. And so that, it worked out for us. Um, you ended up getting a scholarship, full scholarship to St. Joseph's in Indiana, which was a really good division two program. Uh, but I always wondered, and I've never asked you this, what was your dream college? You know, your senior year, I mean, you had a great senior year. You averaged 20 points a game, which I, I, you're probably in the top 10 in, in our school's history of people's uh, per game average. Uh, so what college were you dreaming of? I, I think like almost all the kids in our area, it was University of Dayton. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, in the back in the day, there was only a couple of TV stations that you could even get into. And Dayton was one of them that we could, you know, there were three channels we could get. Mm -hmm. And so we were watching Dayton football basketball games. And actually Don Donoher came to LCC my senior year in the springtime and sat down with me and, and offered me a half a scholarship. And, um, you know, being from a big family, I, I you know, I, I, that wasn't enough. And uh, later on, I understood that he actually offered a full scholarship to somebody else, which was part of mine. And it was a George Jenke out of Chicago, Illinois, who went on to have a great career there. So he knew what he was doing. But uh, Dayton was where I wanted to go. Yeah. I did have some other chances, and, and I had an offer from Niagara University. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you had to play with Calvin Murphy. Yeah, I could have played with Calvin. Oh, you had never uh, seen the ball. He <laughs> <laughs> would have never seen the ball if I got it. But, <laughs> he, but I also had, in, the, in that age, uh, I had three different offers from Florida schools. And as you remember, Joe, in the, in the mid-'60s, uh, oftentimes Florida schools were coming up into Ohio in the Midwest to recruit because Florida was not a real hotbed of basketball. And more importantly, most of the schools were segregated. And so they were overlooking the great talent there. And, and since they had to recruit white talent, they were coming into Ohio to do that. And so there was a number of schools there, but in the end, St. Joe's was where I went largely because father her just, uh, I wanted to go to Niagara, but uh, after my trip there that I took, um, he took me for a walk out behind LCC and you know how Father Hurt was the principal of Lima Central Catholic and yeah. he was, you know, you listened to him. And, and I remember we were walking in that back lot there and, he, and I was telling him about this Niagara visit that I had just gone on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was treated very well there. And, uh, but he didn't like it. <laughs> and he said, you need to go to St. Joe's in Indiana. And I, and, and then he said, if you go to Niagara, you could flunk out. And that's all he had to say to me. I was not a very good student, as you recall. And uh, that, that kind of scared me. And my older brother, John, and my brother, Ed, had both gone to St. Joseph's College. So I was familiar with it, and I liked it. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of cemented it for me. And uh, I, I ended up going to St. John's. It was a really, it was a... A smart move. It was, I had a great career there, got a great education. And my mother was also responsible, Joe. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but uh, I was recruited by one coach in Florida who came to the house, sat down and, and uh, 
really pitched my mom and dad and I, and when he, you know, he showed us a book of, in those days there was no videos or anything like that. It was just straight sales. And he had a little pamphlet with a lot of pictures in it. And I'm looking at these pictures and it's all these girls in bikinis, <laughs> you know, on every other book. And I'm thinking, hey, man, I'm going here. <laughs> and I, when he got done, my mom said, I got to ask you a couple of questions. And the first questions my mother asked me, asked this coach was, you know, you didn't say much about academics. And he kind of gave his answer, but I could tell she wasn't real, you know, happy with it. And then the second question he asked, she asked this coach was, you know, we're Catholic. And uh, you're not a Catholic institution, and we're concerned about, you know, my son being able to practice his faith. And he told her that there was a church right off campus, and he would make sure I got there to Mass every Sunday. And, and then he said, uh, for some inexplicable reason, he ended by saying, I used to be Catholic myself. Oh, no, <laughs> probably the worst thing that you that, could say. So that, that then, you know, I looked at that, and I looked at my mom, and she kind of gave me that eyeball, and I'm going, no, come on. And then the last question, and she asked this coach was, are you segregated? And this coach looked at her and he kind of looked around the room, kind of gauged what she was really getting at. And I remember him distinctly saying, Mr. and Mrs. Sagerson, your son will never have to worry about rubbing shoulders with any colored boys. Oh, boy. And that was strike three. Oh, now I had two eyeballs looking at me. My dad and my mom <laughs> were giving me this like stink eye. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going there. And uh, so instead of, you know, sitting on the beach and studying, I was sitting in the middle of cornfields in Rensselaer, Indiana at St. Joseph's College, which really was that my mom was absolutely right. That's where I belong, right there. So you don't have any regrets for None. Not, not going to Niagara? Or... No, not, not really. Um, it, it was just a perfect situation for me. There was a couple other guys that came from uh, LCC that year, classmates who went to St. Joe, yeah, Paul Sullivan that. and Dave O'Grady and a number of guys. Yeah, I and, uh, and, and it was great basketball, Joe. Yeah. When I went to St. Joe, the Inter Indiana Collegiate Conference was Evansville, Indiana State, Ball State, Butler, uh, Valparaiso, St. Joe, and DePaul with a W. And that was our league, a tough league. And uh, well, Evansville, so, year in and year out. I mean, they had yeah. great teams, absolutely yeah. great. I mean, guys that played professionally came from yeah. Evansville. Right. Yeah. And it was always home and away. And one of the things I enjoyed about your book, Joe, so much was when you were talking about um, your experience at an all-boys school, you know, a, a Division II or an NAI school, a very similar background to what I was doing. And so I was relating to a lot of what you were saying. And... Uh, the only the only difference was you had a girls' college like down the street. <laughs> there wasn't, a, you know, St. Joe's was twenty five hundred boys, and there wasn't a girl within, you know, a hundred miles. So we would we would ship these girls in from girls' colleges. They would come in on buses, and those poor girls, when those buses would come, come rolling in, the guys would come out. We hadn't seen girls in months, and they would. <laughs> I'm driving down the, the street in these buses from all these different girls' colleges in Indiana and Illinois. And I just must think they must have looked out the window and thought, oh, my God. <laughs> the animals. <laughs> but it was a great experience. It really was. And by my senior, my junior year, we actually went co-ed. Well, you uh, did. Yeah. So junior and senior year, they brought women on, girls on campus, which was kind of nice because we were the big you know, studs on campus then because our basketball team was pretty good then. We won 
the ICC my senior year. It was the first time that St. Joe had ever won. And uh, we were eligible for the NCAA tournament, actually won the Midwest Regional Crown. We beat Central Michigan on their home court. And, uh, you know, it was just a great experience for me. That made it for me. Yeah. The experience of winning, Joe. Yeah. In fact, I remember, Joe, and you can relate to this. When we won that game against Central Michigan, we were not favored, but we torched them because we ran. And uh, I remember coming home from that game. We were on a Greyhound bus. And I remember one of our, one of our teammates had one of those big boom boxes and he was playing, you know, he was taping music. And one of them was a Tommy James and the Shondell, Crystal Blue Persuasion, okay? Oh, yeah, so that song is playing. And I remember I was exhausted because we played two days in a row. And you know how you are after a good game, you're just exhausted. And I was sitting on that bus and it was the greatest feeling I ever had <laughs> because I was just thinking, my God, we've, we've won this game. We're on our way to the finals. It was just one of the highlights of my life athletically in terms of how I felt. And I think for nearly 40 years of coaching in high school, I think I chased that feeling. Yeah. You know? I think that's what I chased and I caught it. And I caught it in the last game I ever coached, That's, which was a 2010 state championship yeah. in front of 14,700 fans at you know Shot Arena when we we held on to win a, another tough game, but we won it. And so I, that kind of was a motivation for me all the time. And I think a lot of athletes who have had that feeling, and I know you had it your first year at Benedictine when you guys won a national championship. Right feeling you know that, that camaraderie when you're in a when you're in a locker room and you've got it going you know and you've got a team really going you know that that that's a that's that's like crack man <laughs> it really is yeah. yeah you know by the closest i came to that and i i relate so much to what you just said because that's why i got back into coaching was that feeling i mean there's nothing like it you know being successful after working so hard to try to accomplish something. But the closest I came to it after that is when I was playing the AAU circuit after college and uh, we won the NABA national title. And it was, it was similar, the, the feeling was similar because we won three games in three days at the nationals by a total of six points. Hmm. And uh, I mean, it was just gutting it out, you know, making the play when you had to make the play and it just, when it's all done, you walk away and you go, God, that's great. So, yeah. 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 Well, you were talking about your college experience. You had a pretty good coach at, at St. Joe. Uh, what'd you learn from him? Well, he, he was a terrific coach. Jim Holstein had, was a great athlete himself. He uh, actually had two NBA rings with the uh, Minneapolis Lake, Lakers. He was a six man for the Minneapolis Lakers. And he actually played in the Milwaukee Brave um, um, minor league uh, baseball circuit at, at, while he was playing. So he was a great athlete, had, a, had gone to the University of Cincinnati. In fact, Oscar Robertson had broken his scoring record. Okay. So the, guy, the guy was a name. And I think what I learned from him, I didn't realize I had learned it until a lot later in life, really. I think I became more like him. Now, when I played for him, he was a Bobby Knight type coach. I mean, very, very disciplined, very tough, you know, and um, uh, just a tough guy to get to know, you know, not one of those guys you're going to go in and pull up a chair and sit down and talk to, you know, but 
And so I had, and, and I didn't play as much as I thought I should be playing as every athlete. <laughs> and, and so I didn't play much until my junior and senior year. And, uh, but as I got older and started coaching, I just, um, I just realized that he was such a big part of my own coaching. And, and I called him and I asked for advice on, on several occasions. So, you know, specifically what I learned is, is, uh, probably his discipline and uh, the fact that there was just a little bit of a line between a coach and, and his players. You know, you're not trying to be their buddy. Right. You know, you, you know that's not that's not one of the goals. You know, you're not you're not high fiving them all the time. You just there are coaches that that can do that, but he he wasn't that type. But mm -hmm. I really, you know, it's one of those things where the older I got, the smarter he got. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and there, you know, like and also Joe, you know this too. There were also things he did that I said to myself, I would never do that. And the same thing with, with our high school coach. There were things that happened where I remember thinking, I wouldn't do this. And so sometimes you learn, you know, what you wouldn't do from a coach, which can be just as valuable an experience for somebody as it is for, you know, the positives you take from your experience playing for them. Well, I agree with you 100%. 100%. I, you know, I've been around coaches that with their, their, their Bobby Knight style. I don't like it. Um, you know, some of the coaches that I had as assistant coaches were excellent coaches. And, and I just made sure that they were the right type of person to come in. You know, if you come in and you start swearing at kids and you know, demeaning them all the time, uh, that just doesn't work in my book. So you know, I agree with, with uh, what you're saying. Uh, who other, who were your other mentors? Well, when I you go back to my youth, one of the guys that really got me to fall in love with basketball was a player by the name of Cleo Vaughn. Oh yeah, I remember he was a, Kind of a playground legend. He yeah. was about 10 years older, 12 years older than us. Yeah. But he was also the first African-American to scholarship, uh, to start and to score uh, points for Ohio State University. And he was from Lima and he came back and he was a fixture at Bradfield Center, which, you know, was like a proving ground in Lima. Yeah. And so he, he had a lot of a effect on, on, on me. Uh, there was a senior in our school, Dan O'Shaughnessy, who picked me up and took me places. But it was really Cleo Vaughn who saw some talent in me and, and he brought it out. In terms of coaching, as a, in terms of mentoring, there's a coach at Kettering Altar in Dayton, Ohio, a famous coach by the name of Joe Petroselli, who uh, coached probably four or five NBA players at a great school there called Kettering Altar. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. And the best thing that ever happened in my coaching career was I was uh, got an opportunity to work at Five Star Basketball Camp in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, at Robert Morris College. At the time, AAU had not ascended right. and the, the best players from on the East coast all the way to the Mississippi, I would say, and sometimes all the way out were coming to five-star basketball camp. And Joe asked me to sub for him one week and it was called pit Two, the second week and the best players in the country were coming in that week. And so my first week there, I got to know the director of the camp, a man named Howard Garfinkel, who a lot of people don't know, but he was kind of a godfather of uh, scouting and camps and things like that. He had developed this into a great, great camp. Well, he took a shine to me 
and he invited me back for almost 20 years to, oh. to for a couple of weeks at five star and the attraction at first for me was that all these great players i, I coached a bunch of players that for a week or two that actually ended up in the nba and almost all the kids in camp would get a college scholarship somewhere mm -hmm. so there were three levels sophomores juniors and seniors and i was in the nba the seniors and i'd have 10 players on my team eight or nine of them would be scholarship players two or three would be division one well that was fun but what really impacted me were the other coaches coaches when i first started there six there was 12 teams in the NBA, six high school coaches and six assistant college coaches. So these college were desperately trying to get their coaching staffs into the five-star because for two weeks they could coach these great players. The NCAA eventually just you know, kaput that and it came all high school players. But the great coaches that I used to sit down with then for a couple of weeks at night, you know, when you sit around the dorm room and stuff like that, mm -hmm. My original roommate, the first roommate I had the first couple of years was Seth Greenberg. Oh, yeah, and, and he was a great guy, but he was, you know, he was just getting into the coaching business at that time at the college level. But we had a suite there with four rooms feeding onto a small lobby, like a little living room set up. And that was where a lot of coaches hung out there. We drink beers at night. But Dave Odom was a high school coach then. He went on to coach at Wake Forest. Frank Lapis became a really good friend. He, the next year actually went on to the staff at Villanova. The mentor at Five Star for me was a guy named Brendan Malone, who was at Power Memorial High School and then jumped into college, eventually coached the Cavs and the Pistons, you know, and his son now is a coach of uh, Denver. But uh, Jerry Wainwright, Will Ray, these were guys who were high school coaches that kind of ascended that ladder. My favorite was Bob Wade, who coached at Baltimore Dunbar. And oh boy, he, I, I learned so much from Bob Wade. He jumped directly from Dunbar High School to Maryland for a couple of years. I remember that, yeah. It, constantly and so being around those coaches I remember I took the first year I took a kid from school named um, Bruce Hodges who ended up playing at Sam Houston State had a professional career at uh, in Spain um, he played for me and I took him so after a couple of weeks we were driving home it was just me and him in a car and we were driving about 15 minutes into it I looked at him and said Bruce what did you learn at, at camp he goes I learned I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, that's a hell of a lesson. Yeah. And because he, because he was playing with all these great players. Yeah. And then I drove for about two minutes. I looked at him, I said, I learned the same thing. <laughs> because I just watched so many great coaches. And at that time, they were bringing high school coaches in from Ohio and Chicago. And I, I, I just became great friends with a lot of these high school coaches. And just to be around them and in that environment, it just, it was like osmosis. And this was three or four or five years into my career. And I used to often think, oh, I wish I'd had this knowledge three or five, four years ago, because yeah. I had some great teams that didn't make it to state that I kept thinking, boy, if I had those kids again, maybe I could get them down there. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of mentoring, uh, Bob Arnson, who you know was a great coach in the area, he mentored me. He was very close. I, I would call him on, on different occasions. Don Lane, I talked to several times, an old high school coach. But I think that the atmosphere and the knowledge that was being passed back and forth at Five Star was like 
basketball heaven, Annie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was basketball heaven. You wouldn't believe the people that came in and out of that setting and the players and the coaches and just uh, the speakers that would come in. Now, I was lucky enough the last three or four years I was there, I actually was a lecturer. I got to lecture the camp, you know, which gave you a few extra dollars, not much with Garf. You were lucky. <laughs> coaches would pay to get into that camp. Yeah. Now it's kind of passed because the middle 90s, AAU just ascended. And so the great players were now going to Vegas, you know, sitting in our hotel room, then playing one or two games. But but Five Star was not like that. Five Star was a teaching camp. Hubie Brown was there all the time. Knight was there. They set up stations yeah. that people had to go through. And high school coaches got fired right and left in that camp by Garfinkel. And they got fired, not because of what they were doing with the kids, because they weren't working at those stations. He really, he really emphasized the teaching part of basketball. Mm -hmm. And uh, some days I would take it, I would just go around and look at what other guys were doing, what coaches were doing. And they were working hard. I mean, they were, they were really working at these kids. I can't tell you how much basketball I picked up just watching other coaches work in fundamental stations with their players. I was lucky, really lucky. Well, I... In my book, I talk about uh, that development phase of, of becoming a good coach. And one of my regrets is that I was never in a position to be an assistant coach mm -hmm. and, and under somebody that really knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I didn't go to a five-star type thing, although I had every video I think that they ever created and, you know, mm -hmm. watched how they designed all their stations, things like that. But um, you were blessed to be able to have yeah. that type of an experience, but at the same time, I'm sure you were like a sponge. You know, you can go to those things and you can walk away from them and not take anything home other than a big head because you were one of those, but you didn't do that. You walked away humbly and uh, bringing with you things that you learned. So and then using those things and implementing them into your program. So it's a, it's a real credit to uh, Bob Sagerson, I think, uh, for what you did accomplish. Bobby, I'm gonna take a break here, if you don't mind, and we'll come back in a few minutes and uh, we'll get into talking about college opportunities for you to coach uh, since you had so many contacts. So let's take a short break and I'll be right back. All right, Joe. Okay. <laughs> 